covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in as we come your way with another week's worth of Brewers talk. Before we go any further, our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you uh, listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and can subscribe and leave a ranking and review, that would be fantastic. And if you want to get in contact with me, best way is to do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Our featured guest this week is Jim Goulart, BrewerFan.net is uh, where he uh, puts together uh, what he really does on a, on a daily basis in terms of uh, just collecting a lot of information and uh, putting it in a place where everybody can find it. And of course, he does that on his Twitter account as well. And uh, Jim is going to join us coming up in uh, just a few moments. Always enjoy talking with Jim. Uh, here at the top of the podcast, look, we're we're in this slow period, right? There's, there's not a whole lot happening. A few notes this past week. Uh, we found out who the Brewers' minor league affiliates were going to be. Uh, we knew that this year it was going to be four full-season teams. Uh, a lot of the short-season teams are not really going to exist anymore in the new version of minor league baseball, which is now completely under the Major League Baseball umbrella. Uh, the big news was that the Brewers are back with the Nashville Sounds six years after the two sides went their different directions. That was more of Nashville's decision than the Brewers' decision, and there were certainly some hurt feelings with that. Uh, now it is coming back around, and the Brewers are going to be back in Nashville, which is uh, which is good. It's a really good place to be for AAA. Uh, Nashville is a city where a lot of baseball players live, so when you're trying to attract uh, free agents, the, the, the guy who may be at AAA or may be in the big leagues when they're deciding if they've got multiple options. Uh, if they've got the opportunity to be in Nashville, if they don't make the major league team, that's a pretty good place to be. So uh, there's there's that advantage. They have a, a, just a beautiful ballpark that the Brewers have yet to be able to experience. So uh, that is something as well. So the Brewers are back in Nashville. Outside of that, uh, nothing major happening. Double A stays at Biloxi. The Wisconsin Timber Rattlers will now be the high A team with the Carolina Mudcats being the low A team. So those two teams uh, switch their uh, designations in terms of where they're at in the hierarchy. But the big news was clearly uh, that the Brewers are back into Nashville. And uh, now we'll see how that is uh, moving forward. I know there were hurt feelings with the Brewers based off what happened six years ago. uh, But you've got an opportunity to get your AAA team back into a spot like that. You absolutely want to take advantage of it, and that's what the Brewers were able to do with this arrangement. Rule 5 draft this past week, the biggest story was who the Brewers did not get selected from them. Catcher Peyton Henry, a lot of people thought there was a pretty good chance that he would be selected by another team and that they would stow him on their big league roster for a year to be able to uh, get his rights. That didn't happen. Henry does remain in the Brewers organization. I'm someone that has been saying for a while that it feels like the Brewers catching tandem of the future is Mario Feliciano and Peyton Henry. That became less likely when uh, Henry was not placed on the 40-man roster. There's a ton of catching depth right now. There's there's six catchers on the 40-man roster. It's not going to stay that way. I don't know what's going to happen with this position. Uh, Maybe they make a trade at some point because that is an area of strength within the organization. But at least for now, Henry does stay in the organization. And also a little bit of a surprise in that the 
Brewers uh, complete the deal for Corey Knebel or with Corey Knebel going to the Dodgers uh, where they pick up uh, a player to be named later in left-hander Leo Crawford. When the Knebel trade eventually was uh, first announced, it was for either a player to be named or cash considerations. Well, what happened was Crawford was available in the Rule 5 draft, so the two sides had to wait for the Rule 5 draft to take place before they were able to complete the trade, and had Crawford been selected by another team, something different would have happened. Maybe it would have been a different player, maybe it would have been the uh, cash considerations, whatever it might be, but uh, Crawford was not selected in the Rule 5 draft, and now he is in the Brewers organization. To me, this is a pleasant surprise, because when we find out that that Knable trade really happened at the the very last moment before the uh, non-tender deadline, there wasn't an expectation that they were going to get much back from the Dodgers. And uh, they've got a guy who's a, he's, he's a prospect. He's trending in the right direction. There's a lot of things to like about Crawford. So uh, good on David Stearns for being able to turn Corey Knebel into something. And uh, that's, uh, that's a name to keep an eye out on. Leo Crawford moving forward as... That's uh, Again, it was more than I expected the Brewers to get for Knable just based off kind of the timeline of the way that trade went down. Continues to be a slow offseason across Major League Baseball. You, you get the occasional signing, you get the occasional rumor, but just not a lot going on. And that's going to be a trend for this entire offseason and into spring training uh, from, a, from a health standpoint. We got good news this past week that uh, the vaccine is going to start to be distributed, but it's going to take a long time for it to get to kind of the normal person out there, the non-healthcare worker, the non-risk, uh, you know, high-risk class of person. So uh, th- th- it's good news. A lot of baseball's finances are connected to it, being able to get uh, fans back in the stands, things like that. Uh, so at least there are positive things happening, but it is still going to be a very, very long and slow offseason. So with that, let's bring in uh, Jim Goulart. He is uh, this week's featured conversation here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We are very happy to welcome back onto the podcast one of our favorite people to talk to. He is uh, Jim Goulart. You can follow him on Twitter at Mass, M-A-S-S underscore Haas, H-A-A-S. Uh, you can uh, see uh, everything he puts out on Twitter and then the uh, the different threads that he uh, contributes to and starts at uh, BrewerFan.net. Uh, for, for the hardcore Brewers fans out there that like to know absolutely everything going on in the organization, uh, there's nobody better to follow along with than uh, Jim Goulart. Jim, it's always good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for the kind introduction. Uh, you know, sometimes I wonder about that with all the minutiae I put out. I actually have part of my, my Twitter handle description there, you know, a minor league minutia master or something like that for, for Brewer fans. So it's, you know, it is a hardcore, diehard uh, target audience that I, I tend to, to reach out to. But obviously, um, we've had many discussions just on a broad brewer-based sense, too. So if the, if the diehards enjoy the little details that I might provide, that's fine. But certainly on a, on a broader scale, more than anything else, um, you know, I'm a brewer fan in general like that. So I'm there with the casuals, too. And I, 
I think of everything you do, maybe one of the things that really, uh, if people are not taking advantage of, they should, is uh, you're always linking the minor league audio. So if there's pregame interviews from any of the minor league broadcast uh, involving you know players and prospects and everything, you, you link that information. You are very much aware of everything going on throughout the minor league system. We knew there were going to be changes this year. Major League Baseball pretty much taking over the minor league operation. I don't know if everybody out there understands that minor league, organ- minor league baseball had previously been really its own thing and they had an agreement with Major League Baseball to provide uh, minor league teams to assist in the, the player development. But uh, now just four full season teams uh, beyond some things that are going on at the uh, spring training facility. Uh, we won't get into all the, 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 the changes that are made, but uh, there's it's going to look different, and the big headline was that the Brewers and Nashville have reunited as a major league team and AAA affiliate. Jim, it goes without saying, but I'll say it nonetheless, there were hurt feelings within the Brewers organization when things went down, what was it, six years ago, uh, when uh, Nashville left the Brewers at the altar to try to get get a better situation as they viewed it, and, and they didn't. Uh, they, they've had two affiliations since then, and, and neither's gone well. But all that being said, Nashville is a great city to be in uh, for uh, for attracting minor league free agents, and it's a fantastic ballpark. So if you can get past the uh, hurt feelings, which it looks like the Brewers probably did, seems like this is a, a pretty good situation. Yeah, it's uh, hard to believe it's been – six years since that all went down with, with Doug Melvin and Gordash and um, the, the relationship that they had tried to stoke at that time. Um, unfortunately, it coincided with a, a really weak little piece of uh, years within the Brewers' upper levels of minor league ball in terms of wins and losses. And really, I think it was just surely that that the Sounds management said, you know what, let's Let's see if we can work with, um, at the time, it was Oakland. Yeah. And um, I don't believe they had great success uh, with the athletics in town either. So it, it was, as far as the awkwardness aspect of it, um, I think it was very fortunate that, now remember, the, the A's left after four years, and it was the Texas Rangers in Nashville for the past two years. Of course, one of those years was 2020 without minor league baseball. And the fact that Round Rock ended up opening up down in Texas for the Rangers to jump back on, if that hadn't happened, I don't know if um, the Rangers leave Nashville and that beautiful ballpark freeing it up for the Brewers. That's how it went down. Brewers are back. Um, it's going, that, that aspect's going to be fine. I don't think there's going to be any awkward pauses the first time David Stearns um, visits the site, you know, between them and, and sounds management. As far as the audio aspect that you mentioned, Matt, I appreciate it. I missed it during 2020, that's for sure, because, um, you know, Greg Young down in Carolina and Chris Maring, um, you know, you've got Garrett Green down in Biloxi, and those guys, um, first of all, they're working their butts off at their own minor league level to do what they do, and the expanded stuff that's happened over the last decade um, on the minor league level has been tremendous. It's great for, again, the diehard fans who, you know, want to, I've always felt that you can learn so much more in a five minute interview with a, with a ball player, um, pregame, postgame, whatever the case might be, than in any 
game summary, news article. Um, you've had your background in minor league ball as well. You get little tidbits during those chats. You know, it takes three or four minutes out of a Brewers fan's day to listen to it on their commute or something, but it needs to be in a place where it's available, and that's what I've tried to provide with the links over the years. Yeah, and Jeff him the the voice of the South. I've known Jeff forever because when I was in the Midwest League, he was in the Midwest League, and then when I was in the Pacific Coast League, he was also in the Pacific Coast League where he's at yeah. now. So uh, it's it, it's been fun for me to uh, to have a relationship with uh, the Brewers minor league broadcasters. We bring them on this podcast a lot, and uh, having Jeff back in the organization. Hopefully, we'll have Jeff on this podcast. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. That'd be great. Yep, that would be um, be interesting to find out how how thin these guys, these broadcasters, have had to spread their responsibilities in terms of um, the other grunt work that takes place in a minor league office in terms of sales and advertising and, and things that aren't necessarily um, glamorous from a broadcast perspective. But um, you know, it's it's let's just hope and hope beyond hope that even if spring training is delayed by a month and minor league seasons, which already are going to be slightly shorter, I guess they've announced than they've been in the past. But still, if we can get like a, let's say 120 game seasons out of all four affiliates, that means that things are going on right in the world. And, um, these situations get back to some normalcy. Um, you know, I, it was, in some ways it was a, a break for me in 2020 in terms of how much time I might dedicate to the website, um, at Brewer fan and tracking the minor leagues. But I was still there with the major league club as, um, as non enthusiastic as some aspects of it might've been, you know, I was there for each game and I was there for the two playoff games against the Dodgers and, and did my best to take it in for what it was, Matt, right? Yeah, that's that's what I you know during the season. That's what I kept reminding myself. Like they're playing baseball. They could very easily not be playing baseball. They're playing baseball. I'll tell you that. I think I said this to you the last time I had you on, and I'll repeat it again. One, I can get a little bit fired up on the post game show. Callers can fire me up. Things like that. I I don't know if that existed this year because whenever there was something that maybe I I might get a little heated about, the, I had that small little voice that popped into my head that said. Come on, we're playing baseball during a pandemic. This, are we really right. going to get upset about this? Um, and I have that same voice right now as I'm doing college basketball. Like anytime I'm about to get upset about something, that same little voice says, "Come on, we're we're playing basketball in a yeah. pandemic." Um, I hope that's a one year thing. I I I don't know what the next few months are going to look like. Obviously, from a health standpoint, we got some good news this past week in this country and in the world. But there, there certainly is no guarantees of what things are going to look like going into next season. I guarantee you that, not just in the Brewers front office, but in all MLB front offices, there's this discussion taking place about the enthusiasm factor among the fan base and. When you stepped away for as long as they did and then come back with a product that was, you know, really not satisfactory, although I'll tell you, um, the the Fox got me hooked in the postseason. I mean, 
I watched that Brett Phillips play with live, you know, and, and, and I got out of my chair, which only happens a few times during the course of a 162 games, right? Yeah. But that play got me out of my chair, and there were some really dramatic moments there in the postseason, and they were able to replicate uh, enough of the, from a TV perspective anyway. But at the same time, there were so many points during the course of the year, um, I'm talking about once they started playing, I would just roll my eyes, and I think we talked about it during our August chat where um, it was almost like, you know, what are we doing here? And um, it's so debatable on whether it was worthwhile and what happened, but we we can agree on one thing. Um, I think it's going to have a major impact specifically to this Brewers organization um, from a financial standpoint and uh, what they can do in in 2021. I really do. Yeah, and you know what? I To to kind of follow up on, you know, was it good that they did it? A billion dollars basically gets brought in in postseason money, and then that gets distributed across Major League Baseball teams. Major League Baseball teams are already hurting right now, and we can argue how much they're hurting, and I know the cynics out there will tell you, well, they're not actually hurting as much as they're telling you they are, but you can look around, and and scouts are losing jobs, and ticket salespeople are losing jobs. Like it's, There is a major effect, so Whatever is going on now, it would have been exponentially worse across baseball had there been no season and had they not brought in a billion dollars in postseason revenue. So I'm again, I, I keep kind of going back to college basketball because that's the the world I'm living in right now. I'm glad they're moving forward, and I hope to see an NCAA tournament because I'm watching athletic departments across the country uh, furlough employees or eliminate positions. And if yeah. you can have an influx of money brought in, I don't. Who cares about the games? It's about people's jobs being saved and and, and things like that. So that's in a way that's kind of how I look at last year's Major League Baseball season. I'm glad they were able to do the money grab with the postseason because that at least saved some jobs. How many jobs? Nobody will ever know, but there are there were people who were impacted, regular, normal, everyday people. We're not talking about the bottom line of Major League Baseball owners. There were individuals who could have potentially lost their jobs who maybe didn't because of the baseball playoffs, and for that I'm thankful. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I just think that it's so. I think one aspect that's been maybe a little underreported is just how much money um, teams like the Brewers, like the Rays, and, and the really small market clubs receive from revenue sharing. And, and revenue sharing, really, when we, when we think about it, is the Yankees, um, for instance, no matter what, they lost more than anybody else. So between the Yankees and Dodgers, Red Sox in that category. Those teams with their own networks, um, their own, uh, you know, 40,000 plus in the ballpark, what they're able to charge. Um, remember, when the, when the Brewers drew, draw $3 million, it's not the same revenue-wise as when the Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox draw 3 million people. I mean, just go online and compare ticket prices and all the other concession, parking, you name it. Um, Brewers have really held the line best they can. That revenue money... now. Again, not specific, but you know, I've read upwards of potentially fifty million dollars um, that comes directly to a team like the Brewers or the Rays from the revenue sharing pool. That wasn't done this year, and then um, let's see what happens. I believe that there's you know there's TV contract status up in the air, but who's really going to be among the bidders to take that over on a Brewers standpoint and really 
in this environment, who's going to make a, a really substantial bid to increase what they have been getting. I just think that one thing that this ownership group has proven and the, and the you know, the um, management team is they keep things really, really close to the vest and quiet. Um, you never hear, you know, maybe, maybe once in a blue moon, but you never hear trade rumors that turn out to be really fruitful. And it's like, okay, yep. Um, you know, Jeff Passan had that three days ago and now look, it happened, right? Yeah. It just doesn't happen with any brewer transaction, even the most minor of transactions. And I just think that we haven't heard from Mark Ignacio regarding any comment at all about the impact on this club. And it just makes your mind wander and realize that it was it even more dire than any of us can really picture specifically for this franchise. Yeah, I think that's valid. And I, to add on to that, the not being able to have fans at Miller Park this year, I think is more impactful to the Brewers because they're – their percentage of income that is based upon people walking through the turnstiles, buying tickets, buying a hot dog, buying a beer, going into the pro shop, whatever it might be, that they have a higher percentage of their, their overall revenue that's attached to that. So I don't think we're crying poor when when we're sitting here and just simply stating the facts that, yeah, clearly uh, they are being impacted in a, uh, in a very large way uh, by the money that they did not bring in this year. What did you think, for instance, when Cincinnati moved, uh, like, Raphael um, Iglesias out of their bullpen in, in the trade uh, this week? It was, you know, a, a real signal that Cincinnati, which is a very similar market, um, is in trouble. Because when I look at the Brewers roster, I don't see the obvious, you know, multi-million dollar trade candidate. We can talk all we want about how they saved, you know, $200,000 on Orlando Arcia or, or Manny Pena's coming back. But in terms of being able to say, okay, we've got a player making seven or $8 million and we need to shave that kind of money off. Unless we're talking about, you know, Lorenzo Kane, Christian Yelich, you know, those guys aren't going for the sake of going and when you see Cincinnati, a team that just signed Mike Moustakis and other players to make a extended run, do something like that, you know, Cleveland with, of course, the, the infamous Brad Hand, you know, exposure to waivers. Um, there's some stuff going out there, Matt, on going on out there that is is pretty serious for this industry, and it's going to be a real 2021 of of the haves and have-nots, I think. Yeah, the Reds are interesting because I read one thing that said they really want to make a run at a high-end shortstop, so they were trying to clear room for that. But then at the same time, um, you see that they they really want to cut payroll and across the NL Central, nobody's at. I know very few teams are adding payroll in baseball overall. Maybe the Mets, maybe uh, maybe the Blue Jays, but for the most part, teams are not adding payroll. But you look across the NL Central, teams are either drastically reducing payroll or reducing payroll at least a little bit. the The NL Central could look very different next year. And which means it's there for the taking, yeah. right? If yeah. somebody wants to be aggressive and say, you know, uh, buyer beware, but we're going for it, um, this would be the year. Now, of course, that just gets you to a situation where it guarantees you. Let's say you let's say you grab the NL Central 
title. We don't know what the postseason is going to look like next year. Now, let me think back to when it was a traditional five teams that make the playoffs, right? The three division winners. And two wild cards, yeah. Two wild cards. And you had the one wild card game, um, which was the one and done. Um, So that left... I'm trying to think if, if you're guaranteed a home advantage if you win one of those three um, series in a no, no, you're not three divisions, and you're not. But I think you so, will be now because, from what I, 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 nothing said it. This is one of the things that just bugs the living heck out of me with baseball. Go ahead, is you, designated you, hitter, go for it. Well, you don't have the rules set. It's the off season. Signings are being made, and the rules are not set. I think there should be some sort of deadline that the rules for the season are set before free agency can open. It's 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 crazy that the rules are not set, and the DH is a part of that. Um, but yeah, even it's, even it's, the extended yeah. playoff, like we don't we don't know now. Based off everything that Rob Manfred said, it sounds like they don't want to do the extent, same extended playoff they had this past year, but that they still want to expand it out at least a little bit, where maybe it's you know, multiple wild card teams and everything. So who knows what it's going to look like? It's it's it, you know should you just automatically say bleeping in front of Rob Manfred's team every time it comes up, you know, bleeping Rob Manfred. I mean, let's, let's think about this for a second, that it's not established that there's going to be a designated hitter, the postseason, so many other things that are still up in the air for carryover from last year. And everybody knows where pretty much at this point, the fandom, but particularly uh, the pitchers themselves, right? Somebody had the famous quote recently, um, the, the pitchers don't even bunt anymore, right? Or know how to bunt. It's, you know, we need to be at the place where the DH for the health and the lack of the Jimmy Nelson type injuries and things like that can be in place. And the fact that the ownership and, and uh, managed, management team there on that side can say, you know what, we're not going to just, how, how easy would it be, Matt, for them to say, you know what, you want it, we want it. We don't even need to negotiate it. Do you agree? It's, um, universal DH next year. Good, good, done. That's it. And how much goodwill would the, the MLB front offices gain by uh, that agreement coming to place? It would be amazing. And it would be a little bit of a head start towards the 2022 CBA, which... Um, goodness willing, I hope that you're not struggling for subject matter come 2022 week to week because there's no season, right? Or a strike type period because you haven't had personally to go through a a podcast period with a work stoppage outside of COVID, right? No, not yet. Yeah, right. It's been a long time, 1994. And um, it, it would just be such an easy thing to do and put some clarity because it's so visible to the fan base. Even the general fan base is like, yeah, we, are you kidding me? Um, a guy like Nelson Cruz doesn't know if there's designated hitter candidate teams in, in the National League yet. Um, he'd look good in a Brewer uniform <laughs> for 2021. I know that. Welcome back, Nelson. Um, yeah, it's I just, I'm just worried, Matt, that we're going to find out down the road that um, the Brewers are in uh, tougher financial straits than we can even imagine. But again, that's, that's speculation until we know more. But the signs are there. Yeah, 
And what I'll say this about the I like National League style of baseball. In, in my perfect, I'll disagree with you a little bit. In my perfect mm-hmm. world, uh, the the pitchers would still hit. I, I like the strategy that exists in that game, but I think it is beyond wacky and just asinine uh, if if they went universal DH, then one year of going back to National League rules just to bring the DH in on the next collective bargaining agreement. If they do that, that just it, it makes zero sense. So it, from that perspective, I'm all in on the universal DH moving forward because I do think that it is going to be part of the next collective bargaining agreement. The only thing that I'll, I'll say about pitchers batting in 2021 is that in so many instances, it would only be for one at bat because so many starting pitchers are going to be limited in innings, um, you know, year to year from 21, from 20 to 21, excuse me. And you're not, we already know that, you know, hey, look at Blake Snell, right? You don't go six, seven, eight innings anymore. So really, after the first pitcher at bat, then you're looking at a series of pinch hitters anyway in a league without the DH. Now, given that, you need a bit of an expanded roster because you need, if you're going to be using your bench players as pinch hitters more often and earlier in games, um, you know, going with just a traditional 13-12 or 13-13 split position players and pitch, pitchers, not going to be easy. So, yeah, it just it's a silly silly thing that here we are in you know mid-december and and that is unsettled this seems like this the easiest thing for them to come to an agreement with and um there we go that's actually kind of what i like about like the the pitcher hitting like everybody associates national league rules with pitcher hitting that's not the part of national league rules that i like the part of National League rules that I like is uh, the the using of a double switch, the uh, the uh, second guessing that goes along with you know, lifting a player in a double switch or what it might be, and then all of a sudden you come back later on and that person's spot is up at a big moment, and you're you know you, the, it's those moments that I especially enjoy out of National League baseball. Yep, and I was on that bandwagon for a long time as well, but um, I, I managed to to find you know, to flip to the other side of the fence and we won't make it political. It's not a red blue topic, but it is, it is the most evident type of, you know, black and white, red and blue, however you want to categorize it um, topic among fans, particularly fans that have been entrenched in national league ball for a long time. But um, I I was with you for the longest time, but I I made the switch in recent years too. And I I think it was the Nelson injury that that did it for me. Um, but there were other instances that we saw, you know, not just in Brewer uniforms with Junior Guerra and others, but Adam Wainwright and, you know, us, because that was against the Brewers, if I remember correctly, right? Adam, the, the Achilles tendon tear out of the box and all that. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I am on that stance. But it's such a visible piece for MLB and the fact that it's unresolved. It's a black, it's a black stain on what could be a, a bunch of black stains coming up for the industry. I still really lament, like on behalf of Jimmy Nelson, that big turn that he took at first base. Because 
when you look at the guys that they started uh, at through the final few weeks of the season that year, they finished one game out of a playoff spot with with some just crazy individuals as starting pitchers. They would have mm-hmm. won at least one more game. They would have been a playoff team. And Nelson was rounding into what looked to be a, a legit all-star caliber pitcher. And right now it looks like – right now his major league future is not even – clear that he has one that we'll ever see him in the big leagues again that that big turn that he took at first base I think is one of the most um one of the biggest moments that people don't talk about when you when, when you really reference things that altered the uh, the history of this franchise yeah I want to be careful in how I word it because when you use the word tragic these days um you have to put it in perspective right but from an MLB only perspective um, for Nelson personally, um, you know, just talking about the, the wealth that he would have earned, and that's the important word, is he earned, he was on the cusp of, you know, whether it was an extension or eventual free agency, he was on the cusp of being just one of these um, somewhat elite tier two type pitchers uh, throughout baseball that was going to be rewarded as such. But then you think of all the work and rehab that he has had to done to undergo serious monumental surgeries and such that, um, yeah, in some ways, you know, that was a, a tragic situation, um, again, in perspective of uh, where we are in the world right now. Just a couple more things for you before we uh, before we get out of here. You're really good, uh, kind of going back to my intro for you and and all the different things that you're able to find. You're really good at following what's going on in the winter leagues, and winter leagues are are odd because players will come and players will go, and, and it's it's a very different sort of deal. What's what are you noticing right now in terms of anything going on, if there is? No, I appreciate you asking. Um, I've got it kind of down to a system right now where I can look in a, on a daily basis and kind of uh, put together a summary for folks or. Uh, even these international leagues are putting out some highlights that you can pick up on, and, and I'll share those from time to time. Um, plus, I just think that as fans, if you're listening to this podcast, let's put it this way, um, it's a pretty specific uh, target audience, let's say, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's Brewer fans, but it's also Brewer fans who want to uh, dig a little deeper into the news of the day, and even though you know you had your your NFL season going and other items going on, uh, we're listening for a reason, and, and that's to get any information we can. So we're hungry for that, right? We're hungry for little tidbits. And what I found is it, it might be a core group, but it, it probably ranges in the, uh, I use the term hundreds, you know, whether it's Brewer fan or whatever, because we can see the, the, the amount of people you know, clicking on various threads and whatnot. So I'll say it's in the, in the mid-hundreds that we have this core group that, um, Every little minor league transaction means something. And I'll say that from time to time, but I'll remind where um, what seemingly was a minor transaction. Doug Melvin's first move as, a, as the Brewers' GM was a waiver claim, and it was Scotty Pesednik, who went on to have an incredible couple of years here and eventually netted the Brewers' Carlos Lee, Right, and then it, it just went on and on from there. And then, if a sudden it goes to the White Sox and he wins a World Series during a year where he has a fantastic year for them, that was Doug Melvin's very first move. You look at now; it wasn't in, in some folks' minds it was just as glamorous. How Junior Guerra 
was had had value and was just a nondescript move. So when we one thing I just pointed out to Brewer fans um, on the site was that you know they had a tremendous amount of minor league releases um, back in May and then again later in the summer this year. The Brewers did, and they released a bunch of young men who had service time left. In other words, meaning that even though the 2020 season was lost, they would have still been available to the organization. And you can say, well, organizational filler or, um, you know, organizational soldiers. I don't like those terms, but you have to field teams at the four levels um, and beyond at rookie ball, but you have to field enough players to put together teams at the four levels and have them talent appropriate. And basically, I just pointed out online this weekend that the Brewers have a a bunch of work to do if they're going to field um, position players, in particular, Nashville, Biloxi, uh, the Timber Rattlers, who are now, looks like they're going to be high A, and Carolina, um, particularly at the the AAA and AA level now, we're going to see them sign. It's got to go into double figures in terms of minor league free agents or indie ball guys, guys who are in that, you know, 27 to 29 year old age range. So not exciting prospect type stuff, but you know how it goes, Matt, when, when those types of transactions happen, all the brewer blogospheres, blogospheres and webospheres, however you want to categorize it, we're going to, um, I use the term, we're either going to fawn or yawn over each and every one, but we're all hungry for something right now. And, the fact that we've gone this long into the conversation and we haven't dived into like the first base and third base situation for the big league club, it's because there's not a lot out there that's really yeah. exciting to talk about. We can talk a little bit about Michael Franco or something like that, but there's work to be done not only at the big league level, but the minor league level, and we're just kind of waiting for it right now. We're waiting for so much and because um, we're hungry for it. I'll try to provide it when I can. As far as I'll wrap up by just by saying that on the winter league level, very light so far. Um, every day I, I look and hope that like, an Orlando Arcia or somebody is going to pop up as a surprise and they'll be like, okay, everybody, yeah, somebody's down in Venezuela or the Dominican and, and doing their thing. Um, I will say that the young the left-handed pitcher that they picked up in the Canable deal from the Dodgers, um, I can't speak to the quality of baseball in the Nicaraguan Winter League, but um, he pitched again today, five innings. It was his first outing since that trade, so he took a good attitude with it, and uh, just the fact that the Brewers got something there is uh, that was a topic of discussion too, right? Yeah, that was act- that's what I'm going to finish you off with. And with all due respect to the major league free agents out there in the first and third base, I, I like I don't think I don't know what we can say beyond speculation. And there's I I think we're going to have plenty of time for that still uh, before spring training gets mm-hmm. started. I was really pleasantly surprised with what they got back, considering the Canable trade happened at the eleventh hour and that it was just the the proverbial player to be named or cash considerations. I I was expecting either a very low level prospect or just the cash considerations, considering uh, the the state of everything right now. For them to get a guy who really seemingly has some some pretty good upside, that's a nice job by David Stearns. It is, and you know it's the kind of thing where people will say, "Oh, the Dodgers called with five minutes left," and uh, you know, and this is what somehow they agreed to. There had to be some groundwork laid. Never always give the Brewers 
and any big league front office, but particularly the Brewers, some benefit of the doubt. They know exactly who might be on, because they were looking at all these guys anyway from a Rule 5 perspective. So if the Brewers liked him, but not to the extent that they wanted to risk, you know, knowing to have to carry him for all of 2021 on the big league roster, but they, they know all these rosters. So even if the Dodgers had called with whatever it was, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes to go before this non-tender deadline, the Brewers would have had some indication to be able to have a conversation to say, okay, um, we like these three guys. Let's give us, give us a little bit of time. Let's let the Rule 5 draft pass. And it turns out that, um, you know, this uh, – now, now you're going to get me with the name, but uh, Leonard uh, Leo. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, down from the Dodgers organization. And, uh, yeah, he's interesting, and uh, we, we will follow him throughout whatever winter ball travels he has. All right, Jim, uh, encourage, and I'm, I'm, I would bet many, if not most, of the uh, listeners of the podcast uh, are already at least. I'm a lurker at brewerfan.net. I, I, I yeah. lurk a lot. I don't. Uh, maybe I should have register, but I, I lurk. Uh, at the very least, I'm sure there's many lurkers, but uh, folks should uh, check out all the work that you put in and just the, the amazing conversations, the civil conversation. We live in a world right now where stuff on uh, on the Internet tends, tends to go in the wrong direction. I, I think uh, the moderators and everybody does a nice job of making sure that it doesn't uh, go that way. And it's just, a, if anything else in the world we're living in, uh, it's, it's an escape for a few moments uh, if people want to get in conversation on there yeah we'll leave it at that because um i think folks are familiar with it and right now we've got major league forum minor league forum and this time of year the transaction forum if somebody wants to post it's not just rumors and stuff it's like this is a trade idea do i risk putting it out there i'll be honest with you i love our community i love our moderators i personally couldn't find enough time in a, a year to dig into every single thread and every single comment. Um, but we have a dedicated team of moderators who uh, cover enough of it to keep the conversation civil. There's something for everyone there. And um, if I find my little niche on the minor league side or with other little tidbits I provide, um, that's fine. But in general, um, I've heard from those who cover the beat Nash, uh, you know, prominently within um, the Brewer media coverage who say the same thing as you they they enjoy the conversations there they lurk when they can and um that's great i do know that many in the brewer organization are very aware of everything that we've provided for the past 20 years um we're proud of it and uh, hope it continues for a long time all right jim great stuff as always and uh we'll get you back on real soon thanks matt we'll talk uh, hopefully more nitty-gritty uh you know roster maneuverings and stuff next time around in the meantime we're We'll be in the waiting mode like everybody else. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks. That was Jim Goulart, and that is just about going to do it for this edition of the podcast. As always, don't forget, you can hear uh, Brewers Weekly uh, Thursday nights from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock on WTMJ. And uh, then we, we do post the podcast here, but if you are looking for... Uh, if you're looking for it live, you can listen to it. Uh, you can always stream it as well. Uh, now that the Bucks are getting underway, I'm sure there's going to be some uh, Thursday nights where we are preempted by Bucks games. Uh, but yeah, generally Thursday nights, eight o'clock to uh, nine o'clock. This past week, 
uh, had new Brewers catcher Luke Maley on the podcast. Really enjoyed uh, the conversation with him, and it's uh, it's posted right here where you're listening to this podcast. So if you've not heard the conversation, would encourage you to uh, check that out for yourself. My appreciation to Jim Goulart, as always, for joining us on the podcast. My appreciation to you for listening to the podcast. And we look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.